other side of midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm superstar Frank Morano. I have said, and others have said that are much more intelligent than me, that most of the migrants that are coming here, meaning to the United States and to New York City specifically, are good people who just want a better life for themselves and for their children. But the problem for those of us that are concerned about things like public safety and all sorts of other related issues is the migrants that are using the poorest border and the generosity of New York and American taxpayers as an excuse to to expand a criminal operation here. Well, now the New York Post is reporting that New York State National Guard troops are being told to check all migrants arriving here in New York for distinctive tattoos linking them to the vicious Venezuelan street gang known as Tren de Aragua. The decree comes as the NYPD this week issued a situational awareness alert warning that the brutal gang is increasingly making its presence known in the five boroughs, with members claiming asylum at the border and flocking to New York to join other gang members. We're going to talk a little bit more about the border situation with Bill O'Reilly coming up in about a half hour. Tren de Aragua is Spanish for Aragua Tren, a shout-out to the gang's origins as a railroad labor union in Venezuela, and it is growing here in New York, and it has been linked by law enforcement to a huge spree of cell phone robberies, and this gang is now firmly on the NYPD's radar with this new bulletin warning, Tren de Aragua's newly established presence in New York City may incite further gang-related violence, including stabbings, assaults, and robberies, raising public safety concerns. I mean, this is what so many of us have warned about, and this is exactly the problem with throwing open the door and welcoming anyone in without proper vetting of who they are. This is not an anti-migrant situation. Look, if I was uh, dirt poor and being impressed of in Venezuela, I would try to come here too. I told you, uh, my wife and I met a migrant in church on Sunday, and uh, my wife gave her a ride to where she was supposed to be and gave her a bunch of baby clothes. I think the difference between that woman, who is clearly having a tough time, and these people that are gang members is night and day. And I think if anyone has one of these Tren de Aragua tattoos, they need to be deported forthwith. Do not pass go. Do not collect your free $200 gift card. Go directly back to where you came from. And I think the more people keep coming into this country, the more we're going to see situations like this. To be continued. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 WBC. Local Spotlight. Good. 
tomorrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm superstar Frank Morano. Are you listening to this in the state of New Jersey? If you are, chances are you know that your state's nickname is The Garden State. Well, did you know that you came this close to being named the Egg State. That's right. In 1950, New Jersey had about 1.7 million acres of farmland or about 1.1 million fewer than in 1900. That's according to census records. Less than a fifth of the population lived in rural areas. And the biggest moneymaker in state agriculture was the egg. If anything should be on the license plate, egg farmers and officials with the New Jersey Poultry Council at the time said it should be the egg. Suggestions included the egg state and home of the Jersey egg. Lobbyists also wanted the figure of an egg on every license plate. There's a really interesting story about this in the record by uh, David Zimmer. However, it did not pan out. The governor at the time Alfred Driscoll vetoed a bill calling for the state's license plates to bear the now standard legend Garden State. There were concerns that the plates, which then were a few square inches smaller, wouldn't hold the extra markings. However, the main sticking point proved to be Driscoll, who said license plates had but one job. They should do it well and stop there. Adding a slogan would increase costs for no tangible purpose. Ultimately, New York plates were marked the Empire State. Others, including Georgia, Florida, Maine, New Mexico, and Wisconsin, had their slogans meant to suggest the grass is indeed greener over here. And the trend had momentum. And ultimately, in 1959, the trademark Garden State became a fixture on all New Jersey license plates. Ultimately, the Garden State beat out the Egg State, but I must tell you, as a very big fan of eggs myself, it's my favorite food, I think the Egg State would have been a much better slogan to put on every New Jersey license plate. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. There is still garbage that I put out on Sunday night and still recycling that I put out on Sunday night in front of my house. Now, no big deal. It was a snowstorm and the hardworking men and women of the Department of Sanitation, New York's strongest, were hard at work picking up snow and plowing snow and salting roads and things of that nature. So I reached out to a friend of mine who works with the Department of Sanitation on uh, Wednesday, or Tuesday or Wednesday, I think it was Tuesday. And I said, hey, do we have any idea when they're going to pick up my recycling? Because I put it out for Monday's pickup and it's still out there. And he said to me, the reason that they didn't pick up your recycling and your garbage on Monday has nothing to do with the fact that there was a snowstorm coming. No. He said it was a holiday. I said, it was? I said, whoa, what was it? Is it Lunar New Year? I know kids get that off from school now. No, it's it was Lincoln's birthday, which, yes, the Department of Sanitation considers a holiday as well. So what you do is just put your garbage out, put your recycling out, and everybody's going to get to it whenever they can. That's what everybody's being told. Well, 
Do you know that New York City is maybe the only place in the world that celebrates the city holiday of both Lincoln's birthday and President's Day? So for President's Day next Monday, that's also a sanitation holiday. I don't know if they're going to pick up my uh, recycling or not. Well, they're not, meaning I don't know when they're going to pick it up. But think of how wasteful that is. It costs the city millions in lost productivity and overtime every time we have one of these city holidays. Why in the world do we need two holidays, one for Lincoln's birthday and one for President's Day. Why not simply just have one for President's Day? This is, of course, in addition to New Year's Day, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Memorial Day, Juneteenth, Independence Day, Labor Day, Columbus Day, Election Day, Veterans Day, Thanksgiving Day, and Christmas Day. I'm as festive a guy as there is. I love a good parade. I love a good party. But when it comes to picking up garbage, do we really need to celebrate both Lincoln's birthday and President's Day? I think not. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. What will our congressional district lines look like this year? No one knows. Not even the people who are running in them, which is rather amazing considering petitioning is supposed to start in 12 days. Well, after a wait of over two years, the Independent Redistricting Commission is due to finish its final set of maps today. And three officials, including members of both political parties, are hearing the same thing about what's in them, at least according to Politico New York. The lines are expected to move Auburn to Republican Congressman Brandon Williams' district, leading to a roughly four-point shift towards the Democrats in the swing district. The borders between the districts held by Congressman Pat Ryan, who's a Democrat, and Republican Mark Molinaro, who's a Republican, would also be adjusted, providing a modest booth for both of them. So that's kind of a wash. And that's pretty much it, according to what Politico is reporting. There might be some small tweaks elsewhere in the state, but nothing that's expected to change the partisan makeup of any other competitive districts. Assuming the commission approves these maps and members of both parties have expressed optimism in recent days that they will, which is really encouraging, did not think we'd be here a year ago, they'll be sent to the Democratic-dominated state legislature. And that's where it gets interesting. The legislature is going to have to decide in the very near future, because like I said, petitioning for these congressional districts starts February 27th. They're going to have to decide whether they want to accept the compromise lines as the Independent Redistricting Commission put them out and put the years-long process to rest or fight for a more aggressive gerrymander, in which case they would vote down these lines and draw their own maps, which is what led to this whole court fight two years ago. I really hope that the state legislature will just honor this process and go along with the lines that the Independent Redistricting Commission comes up with. Based on what we're hearing, again, no one's seen the maps yet. These seem like relatively fair lines, at least for the congressional districts. Why would the state legislature throw these out to gerrymander them? Unfortunately, when it comes to this particular state legislature, they have shown time and again how disappointing they can be. We'll see. Beam me up. To be continued.